It really is, uh, really is very, very good to be here. Just great to be here in, uh, in a place that's got solid walls and a solid roof. And, <laughs> and uh, although I do like my tent, I must say, uh, it's, it's just so great to be in a church that has continued to push into the things that God is doing and speaking uh, now. And uh, you, you're not stuck in a rut, you're not stuck in something that was, and you're, you're not trying to uh, be something that was 30 years ago. You're, you're endeavoring to stay in tune with the Holy Ghost and stay in tune with what God's saying in the earth. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's great to be in a place where you can just feel there's a sense of welcome for the greatest person on earth, and that is actually the Holy Ghost. He is the governor. Jesus is on the throne beside the Father. And uh, the, the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. And uh, He is the governor. And uh, when the governor is welcome, that means the government of heaven is welcome. If the governor is not welcome, then we're basically just doing our own government thing. And it's never as good as when the Holy Ghost is welcome. I just want to say that. And I just want to bring greetings from Living Waters Christian Centre. And... Uh, uh, and for my wife, Janet. Janet is looking after home today. And uh, we've just been away a bit, and we just felt it was really best if she stayed there and just, uh, you know, just, just kept a continuity going. She won't be preaching. We have another lady preaching, um, a lady who's, I think she might be 58 to 60. Uh, she's a, just, a, she's just uh, she's only a third time to preach in the church now. And uh, some of you will be thinking, well, she's too old to be starting preaching. No, she actually started preaching in, in the streets in Timaru uh, years ago when she first got saved and uh, saw people delivered and healed and so on in the streets. People think this is a new thing, uh, not new at all. <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, she had, they had a, some tragedies in their family, and, uh, which I won't go into, but um, she overcame in the name of the Lord and the power and the power of uh, power of the Holy Ghost and the power of faith, she overcame. And uh, I, I just love walking with people like that. Uh, things that happen in families sometimes that accidents, you know, that that would sometimes just take people out and they'd get bitter and twisted. And this lady's not bitter and twisted. So I want that spirit, uh, that that overcoming spirit of faith, uh, and that evangelistic gift on her life just to permeate through the church. So that's why I've got her in the pulpit today. And um, so don't be scared of old people. Um, I may not have hair on my head, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there can still be some fire in the belly, you know. And sometimes the older you get, the bigger your belly gets, so there's more fire, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a really bad excuse and uh, probably the worst excuse. <laughs> but I, I feel like I've got to deliver something today. I, I, I don't just say that in, anywhere. Um, and I want to talk about a few things. I've got half an hour and I, I really want to honor that. Is there a clock somewhere I can look at? Just somebody sticks a big clock on the back wall or something. Can, oh, you've, got a, you've got a timer thing. You've got a five minute, 10 minute sign, five minute sign. I've got Janet doing that now. She's got a 10 minute sign and uh, then a five minute sign. Okay. So what time do we need to be finished? Glenn? About half past. Okay, that's including some ministry, right? No? Okay. All right, I've got 35 minutes. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, turn it just so that you've got it with you and, and, and uh, turn it to uh, John chapter 4. I won't tell you where, though, so you can't read ahead of me. 
and figure out my message, then go home early. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to speak some, declare some things out of this. But um, for many years, uh, I've felt I've had to just not say too much, really publicly in other churches, about something God did for us in 1996. And I, I, I've very seldom, if ever, I've a little bit shared some of these things uh, in other assemblies because uh, it just wasn't the right time. But I was in, in uh, Southern Africa last year, and uh, um, during a time there, I felt the Holy Ghost say to me, now it start, it's time, when you go home, it's time to start declaring harvest. And uh, this is what I'm here to do this morning, is actually to declare harvest. And there's going to be some things around this we're going to say. I know when Glenn emailed me, and hello, Debbie. You're looking beautiful as ever. Well done. Yeah. Is Glenn treating you well? Yeah. See, I, I always note how quickly the yes comes out. If there's a hesitation. <laughs> no, it was good. Very good. Very good. Very good. And, uh, of course, you'll all be looking forward to Chris and Ruth getting back, no doubt. Yeah, there was a, good, there was a yes, so that's good. There wasn't too much hesitation. So. Uh, in 1996, um, on a Monday night... Pastor's Day off, uh, we had a visitation of the Holy Ghost in our house. And this lasted for about three days. And what sparked it off was somebody rang me to say that in the Baptist prayer meeting in, in, in Hallsville, a friend of ours, where my mother was, my mother was at that prayer meeting, uh, said this guy bought this, what he felt was a vision, what he felt was a prophetic word. And he saw, he saw a harvest field that was white, and he saw sickles lying down on the floor, on the ground, on the, on the ground. And he saw Jesus standing at the end of the harvest. And he, he questioned the Lord, said, why isn't the harvest being gathered in? And he felt the Lord say to him that uh, because the barns aren't built yet. And, and, that, and, and initially they took that to mean their building that they were building as a Baptist church. But my mother-in-law was there, and she said, I think Wes and Janet would be very interested in that vision, just relate it to them. So Janet's mother rang during the night, during the Monday night. I took down the main points of the vision of, the, of this message. And then when my brother and sister-in-law left, and we'd been talking about houses and boats and kids, and it was a day off, you see. And they went away. Next minute, I, I, Janet said, what, what, did that, what was that phone call about? So I related the main points of the phone call. As soon as I said about, the barns aren't built yet, uh, and about the harvest sickles down, the Holy Ghost started coming on it. And most of you here will be familiar with people encountering the power of God, shaking, crying out, various things, falling over, getting drunk, stick to the ceiling, whatever it is that happens here. Um, but Janet just started to shake, and, just, and I knew, okay, there's something in that. So I had to go to the little bathroom. I came back a few minutes later, and Janet was lying crossways on a chair, a dining room chair, like she was planking before planking was popular. And, uh, and, uh, but she wasn't planking, you know what I'm saying? She was just under the power of God and she, could, she couldn't have moved, she couldn't have done a thing. And I thought, that looks, she's gonna fall off there. So I picked her up and put her, on the, put her on the ground and immediately God took her into a very, very intense open-eyed vision. This had never happened to her before in this dimension. She'd had various prophetic things happening and experienced a lot of the power of God since about 95, but not like this. And it all started, she, 
the Lord took her immediately and she was standing in one of the streets in our region called Checkets Ave in, in, Halls, in Oakland. And, and as far as up the streets and that way and into the driveways and into the uh, uh, pathways, there were, there were ch- fat, well-developed babies. And these babies could talk and they, they were crying out, take me home, feed me, feed me. And Janet, Janet was not just crying out a little bit, she was howling. My babies, my babies, what are I going to do with all these babies? And I'm thinking, woo. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's, you know, because we'd, we'd seen the Holy Ghost moving and we'd seen some pretty intense things, but this was another whole level. And this was my wife, and we are just young leaders, only, only led, leading the church for three years. So there was a bunch of stuff we just weren't quite sure what to do with. So I quickly began to get a piece of paper and, and a pencil and started to write things down. And, but the, that, that went on for about two hours, not with the babies, but the whole string of things to do with the land we now have, to do with the, the growth of our region, to do with um, uh, the motorway, which is now built. She saw that in '96. Uh, all sorts of things that have literally come to pass very precisely, and there's a number of things yet to come to pass. And so I, I was writing this stuff down. Uh, the Lord said to change the name of the church, and I had to change. I had to choose the name and so on and so forth. That's why we're now Living Waters Christian Center, not Halls or New Life Church, although we're part of the New Life Movement. But this whole thing started with this issue of, of a huge harvest, of a significant harvest of of Babies, not not transfer growth, not uh, not ba- not weak, sickly babies that you have to have an intensive care to try and keep them alive and try and get them to a to a foundations class or a or a youth group or something where, they, where you're dragging them along and they're unwilling. But these are babies crying out, "Take me home and feed me." In other words, really genuine conversions. And so it began with this. It began with, the whole period began with this massive harvest issue. Seven years later to the day, we got that piece of land that was shown to us in the vision. We now have our tents on that piece of land. Getting shaken out of those old buildings and getting into our land on tents is hugely significant for us as a church. But not only that, I... I believe, I'm, I've been released now to, dis, to start declaring harvest. To, dis, to start declaring harvest that's not only for Oaklands and Hallsville and the southern part of Christchurch, or because that was just the place where God had given us a sense of responsibility. I don't believe that there's going to be just a small, a localized harvest in one little place. I'm, I'm convinced of this now, that this is a significant issue for our nation. Sometimes harvests are unexpected and with people we wouldn't expect. And the context of being a black preacher, a black preacher in a white body was a real compliment, by the way. I don't think we're going to get there this morning, but, you know. I, I, just, I know the conversational style is popular, and, and, and that's really nice. And if you can do that, that's great. It's just not me. You know, if I get passionate about something, it's just, it just comes out that way. I, I was raised with a dad who was deaf, and so I shout a lot, you know. 
I was in the car with Brent Douglas one day in the vehicle I was driving from the airport, and he said, where's you shout a lot? And I thought, the pot calling the kettle black, mate. <laughs> so this story in John chapter 4, <laughs> is it, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> this, this story in John chapter 4 is where Jesus wants to go to Galilee, but he goes through Samaria. The average two would... Jew would do exactly the opposite they would go to Galilee and totally avoid Samaria because they had a real issue with the Samaritans they were half breeds they were half paganized they were this they were this they were, they were really they were pretty low grade in the eye of the average Jew but Jesus decides we're going to Galilee but we're going through Samaria rather than avoiding the place he goes there because he knows He's got a harvest in Samaria. Those Samaritans are part of really the lost sheep that he was sent to save. So they go through Samaria. He meets a lady at the well. The other guys go off to buy food, go into the, into the town to buy food. He meets a lady at the well who's been married five times to the Jewish community. Gen generally speaking, if a lady had been married twice or three times, that was considered enough. Any more of that than that was considered immoral, just by the way. I don't recommend it, but I'm just saying that. She's, she's, coming, she's come out to the well. She's, she's had five husbands for whatever reason, and now she's living with a guy. In Zimbabwe, they would say they were banging pots. In the old Kiwi vernacular, they were shacked up. You know what I'm saying? And she's out at the well, and Jesus starts a conversation with her, somebody who she was totally unexpecting to create a conversation. Jesus starts teaching with her and says, woman, could you give me a drink? And she's a bit startled because here's this woman who, who this Jew, she recognizes a Jew, shouldn't have even been speaking to. One, because she was a Samaritan. Two, because it was, she, was a, she was a woman and he wasn't ready to have to do with her in that sense. And this whole conversation starts. And this, if you've read the scriptures, you'll know how this conversation goes. It's, they eventually start talking about which mountain we should worship at. And, and Jesus said, well, we, we know who we worship because salvation's of the Jews. You know, it's coming a time when you won't worship in this mountain or in that mountain. All those, the Father seeks uh, those who worship in the spirit and truth. And uh, he talks about living water. He talks about the never thirsting again. And she's a bit confused because he hasn't got a bucket to draw with and the well's deep. And she's just, she's just not getting it. And if we were there, we wouldn't have been getting it either, either, probably. And then she says, when Messiah comes, I know he's going to explain all things. And then he says this incredibly direct statement, this incredibly direct statement to her, that one is me. I'm, the, I'm that one. The one you speak of, that's, that's me. I don't know he said that to, to anybody else really, just, just straight up like that. You're talking about the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. To the, to the, to the other guys he said, who are they saying that I am? Oh, some, some uh, one of the prophets. Some say John the Baptist raised from the dead. Some say Elijah. Who do you say that I am? And then one of them, by revelation of the Father, plucked up the courage and said, uh, you're the son of the living God. And then he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. 
But to this woman, he says, she's talking about the Messiah coming to explain all things, and he said, that one you're talking about is me. That's amazing. I'm convinced of this. There's going to be such... I'm going to get into the prophetic deal on this now. I'm convinced of this, that there's going to be such a level of encounter for the harvest that is being ripened and is ripened now. There's going to be such a level of encounter with with Jesus and this harvest, with the Holy Ghost and this harvest, that there's going to be a transfer of revelation from the heart of God into their souls that is going to be so rapid and so profound that we're going to be shocked at the speed of their maturity. Just this last year, late last year through into early this year, a number of us, and I don't know how many people are having this in the nation, I, I, I don't know. It, when God does something by His Spirit, you can guarantee you're not the only one. When God is showing something to you and you're saying, is this God, is God showing me this? I get, if it's God, you will not be the only one. <laughs> There'll be a whole bunch of people, and then you'll start to hear them, and you'll start, and you'll, that, that, that's what I'm hearing. I, I resonate with that. Ah, yes, I'm in agreement with that. Late last year, I had two dreams. I don't have what I would call God dreams that often. I've had several in my life that have been extremely impacting. It is, by the way, one of the significant ways God speaks to people. Some people say you've got to be wary of dreams because the dreams are just a canvas of your soul. Well, that's, that's the psychology view of dreams. The kingdom of God view of dreams, the, 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 the spirit realm God view of dreams, is that it's one of his prime ways of speaking to people. So some people are frightened of dreams. But I know there's been some God dream, the dreams that God has given me that God has spoken to me through those dreams. It doesn't happen every night. It happens sometimes. And sometimes I know that my dreams are born out of anxiety. Sometimes I know my dreams might be influenced by the last TV program I watched or the movie I watched when, I, when I'm in the trenches in World War I. And, and you, know, I know, I, you know, I didn't take anything out of God in that and I knew it was just the movie I'd watched, you know. And some of the dreams because of what I've eaten. And it's just body stirred up. It's digesting stuff. And, 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 you know, you just don't get into a place of great sleep. And there's these funny dreams that happen. Sometimes dreams are just demonic stuff that's going on. And then sometimes dreams are God speaking to you because he gets past all of your preconceived ideas, all of your, all of your psychological defenses, and gets right into your emotions and speak something to you, reveal something to you. And you wake up in the morning and you just know it's been vivid, it's been, and you just know that, ah, oh, this is a significant, this is something significant. So then what you do is you just, Lord, show me what that means. Holy Ghost, show me what that means. Give me the understanding of that. It may come immediately. It may come over a little period of time. Somebody else may help you. But I would encourage you, if, if you wake up with something like that, write it down. But anyway, I had these two dreams. One was a young lady in our church was pregnant, uh, she was, uh, and, and I had this dream where she had given birth to this baby, and within, within one to two days, this baby ran to me and started talking. And in the dream, I'm, whoa, what's this about? This shouldn't be happening. Only a two-day-old baby shouldn't be running and talking. Oh. And then a few nights later, I had another dream. It was her own daughter. She was pregnant. And you can't control your dreams. You ever notice that? I've tried to. That was a good dream, man. I want to get back to sleep so I can get back into that dream. 
The next dream was basically the same thing, but it was my daughter's child, one or two days old, just walked and ran to me and then started speaking, fluent. I'm thinking, and I wake up and I think, I'm God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me in this. Then, lo and behold, through the earlier part of this year, my wife Janet, three of our, 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 our matured prophetic people who relate closely to Janet, all independently, without sharing these things with each other, all have had very, very similar dreams. And they've woken up knowing, oh, this is God speaking to me. Then, if you go onto Heidi Baker's website, and her message from early this year, or her New Year's message or whatever, uh, if you go onto that, and we only found this after Roland visited us a little while ago, um, my daughter came across it, and she said, Mum, you've got to look at this, this, this message on Heidi's website. So we went into it, and Heidi's talking about the delivery of one of her own daughters or, or daughter-in-law's baby and, and, and so on and so forth. And then she was in Bethel, and somebody gave her a word of God saying that in parts of the world, God is going to cause uh, 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 brand-new babies to be walking and talking. And words to that effect, and this, this sped-up maturity. And so I think in this story here, you've got this woman who has this encounter with Jesus at a well. It's really nice. And he says directly to her, I am he. An unexpected harvest in an unexpected place. Not in terms of Jesus, but in terms of the rest of the disciples. Because they came back and said, what's going on here? What are you talking to her? What, what, what's, what's the deal here? Then she goes back to the city. This woman who's been married five times and is now banging pots with her boyfriend, shacked up with a boyfriend, goes back to the city and says, I found this man. Could he be the Messiah? He's told me everything about my life. Such was the impact on her. They all think, hmm, what's going on here? They all come out of the city and come, come to see Jesus. Then Jesus ministers to them, shares with them, and so on. Then they say, ah, we were, we, we were believing because of what she said. Now we've heard for ourselves. Unexpected harvest in an unexpected place. But right after that, we'll get to the word now. Right after that, verse 27 of John chapter 4. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek to her? And why are you talking to her? No, we were all thinking it, but nobody's saying it. Verse 28, the woman then left that water pot, went her way into the city and said to, the, said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 31, so they went out of the city and they were coming to the Lord. Then in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, verse 32, I have food to eat of which you do not know. You know, there's incredible satisfaction in harvest. Some of us are hungering for stuff right now. We're, we're hungering for something right now. But I want to tell you this. There is a level of satisfaction. There is a level of satisfaction deep in your soul and your spirit in harvest. 
For some of us, there's nothing like somebody getting saved. There's nothing like somebody coming to the Lord. And then to top it off when you, when you get the demons out of them. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Here's, has somebody else bought him something to eat? Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level. They're always on the nat- they're often on the natural level. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? And in Hebrew speak, that was kind of like saying, well, look, still four months to the harvest. Basically, we can just take our ease. Our harvest still four months off. Still four months to the harvest. Like saying, oh, we've still got some time yet. We've still got some time yet. No, it's, it, it's, it's one day. We've got a great one day, I'll tell you. Out of anybody on the earth, we've got the greatest one day. We've got the greatest future for sure. Not only is there going to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, but there's also the assurance of the resurrection if we're in Christ. We're incorruptible or corruptible. Things that are corruptible put on incorruptible like that. We're, we're things that are, are, are more, people that are mortal will put on immortality like, immortality like that and it'll happen in the twinkling of, eye, of our eye. Which is pretty quick. And so... The Lord is going to return. There is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be an eternal dwelling with the Lord in His presence. There is going to be a reign on heaven and earth. There is going to be a kingdom period on earth where the kingdom is going to be manifest in absolute fullness. We have the, uh, we have the down payment for it now, the deposit for it now. We have the now but not yet kind of deal. We have some things that are still questions to us, some things that are still wonderings to us, and yet we have this ability to see people saved, set free, healed, and delivered. So it's kingdom, it's kingdom now, but it's also kingdom coming. So we, we are a people with a great future. But what Jesus is saying here, guys, don't just put it off to the one day. Don't just put it off to the several, to, to, to six months ahead. Look, if, if, you, if you've, you know what it's like. Some people, have, some of us really need deadlines. <laughs> I need, I'm a person who needs deadlines. If something's six months off, I can get, I can get kind of, well, I've still got six months, uh, you know, I can, yeah, I can, you know, I can, I can. But if somebody gives me a deadline next week, Friday, 6 p.m. next week, suddenly that starts to motivate me because I've got a deadline. Jesus is saying, look, guys, <laughs> it's not about four months off yet. It's not about just putting it off. It's not about just one day in the future. If all our preaching is just one day in the future, one day in the future, one day in the future, then we can sit here and just... We come, we listen to a word, we sing some songs, we may give an offering, we may give our tithes, we, 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 you know, and, and it's, it's, it's one day. One day is always an awesome time. I can make one day sound as magnificent as I, as, as magnificent, but, but I'm not so interested in one day so much, I'm interested in now. I want to, uh, we, we, we are seeing, we're seeing, and we want to see people saved today. We want them healed today. We want them delivered today. 
We don't want the devil rob, killing and destroying people and we saying, well, in four months' time. No, we want them delivered today. We want that baby healed today. You say, oh, that's arrogant. Well, I don't know. You see, behold, I, tell, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. You say it's a four months off. You say it's a one day. You say it's out there somewhere. But I'm telling you, lift your eyes to the harvest. And this is what I'm here to declare. Lift your eyes to the harvest. God wants a different, God is going to put into our eyes a different vision of the harvest than we may have had last week, last year, or, or last decade. Because there's been a shift. There's been a change. And it hasn't just been because of earthquakes, although that's had a significant effect. There is a change going on in the earth. There is a harvest that God is ripening in the earth. The Bible says that in the last days, the angels will be involved in the harvest. There's going to be, there's going to be supernatural dimensions of harvest. So whether this is the great harvest that I believe will come in because of the, the, how the Scriptures lay out things prescribed, prophetically in the word or whether this this is a season of harvest that God has brought us into I don't know but what I'm saying is this we've got to change our judgments well however we've judged the fields however we've judged the population out there however we've judged our families if they're not saved however we've judged our school our universities our workplaces I believe God wants there to be a change of judgment there's got to be a shift of our viewing of what that is out there You see, because how you judge something is how you relate to it from then on. In the Scriptures, we're told, there's a few places where we're told not to judge. And then there's a number of places we're told to judge. And in, the body, in parts of the body of Christ right now, there's confusion over do we judge, do we not judge, how do we judge, what's this judgment about, you know. And but here's one thing we are not to judge. We're not to f- pass final judgment on people who we think are struggling in life or have done this or done that. We're not, that's God's business. But we are to form opinions about certain things. And, uh, but how you judge somebody, if Peter goes and judges Lynn about something and Peter's feeling, I'm I'm saying this because I feel he's safe. If Peter goes and judges Lynn about something and he's a bit hurt, he's hurt by it and so on and so forth, and he forms this judgment, and that locks into a spirit. That'll, that'll determine their relationship from then on, to some, to some degree. It might be about her cooking. It might be about her. Cooking's great, young. I don't know. I have no idea. So. And so, but you see, how you judge somebody will, will determine how you relate to them. How you've judged your parents, your mum and your dad, that will determine your relationship with them pretty well from then on. how we've judged the fields is how we're relating to it. Some of you weren't alive in the 80s. God bless you. Some of you remember the 80s at the end of the charismatic movement where the, the, the level of harvest significantly tapered off. And in the 60s and 70s, there was a significant harvest in our nation. Not only of people in churches where there was no move of the Holy Ghost, there was no understanding of healing, there was no understanding that God could speak to His people, 
there was just this deadness in a lot of churches. People began to get hungry for the life of the Spirit. And there was this great charismatic movement through the nation. And many people came into the things of the Spirit and the kingdom and greater understanding of present truth and what God had in the future. And there was this new life, this life birthed into the church and our nation. But in the 80s, it did actually taper off. So things became a struggle. Things became difficult in many areas. It was sometimes as a minister, it was almost a matter of survival. And then toward the 80s, people began to get really hungry again, and people were crying out. And, and, and then in the early 90s, a fresh move of the Spirit began to flow again. And then in the 90s, when it started to reach full force in some respects, people were blowing this way and that way and reacting. Is this God? Is it the devil? Is it flesh? Is it psych psychological this or that? What is going on here? Great confusion around, but no, nevertheless, many people got rebaptized and re-empowered and empowered for the first time in the Holy Ghost. And God released fresh revelation concerning His kingdom and concerning the things He wants to do on the earth and a great expectation. see the hands on my watch my wife bought me this watch and I can only see the hands on it at certain angles some of us I remember in, in Cromwell we were in a church in Cromwell called Cromwell New Life Church it was planted out of the Wakatipu New Life Church and there was a scheme that people came up with a scheme let's bake a bunch of biscuits, put them on plates, make a little card, and then on one given weekend, we'll deliver them all to our neighbors. Some of us were scared out of our wits because we had to take a plate of biscuits to our neighbors. This was a construction town by now. A heavy construction town. And we had to go up to our neighbors and knock on the door and say, here, we've just got this gift for you from the church. Thank you very much. And... Uh, you know, it's just on behalf of New Line Church. And some of us, one guy went up to somebody's mailbox and stuck it in the mailbox and took off. Other people were welcomed in and we got to talk with them and share with them. But, you know, we tried these things and, and it seemed like the harvest was so thin on the ground. Some of us through that period and maybe even into the 90s made judgments about the harvest. It's just too hard. People are just too closed off. People are just this. People are just that. And it's kind of like potentially sort of retreat into, into the safe zone where we kind of walk with the Lord and we're, you know, we're going to church or we're going to this group or that group and we're worshiping the Lord the, kind of the best we can and we're getting involved in this and getting involved in that and this and that. But really, in terms of the real connection with the harvest, for some of us, it got to the point we felt it was too hard. And we hear about Africa and we hear about China and we hear about, and our hearts are going, oh, it was only like that here. And then people would say things like, the miracles are not happening here, the healings are not happening here. We, we, need, we need to cut that statement out right, right there. They are happening here. I could, I could spend at least 20 minutes going through a range of stories right now of miracles, healing, significant healings in the, in the last, six, last eight months. So to say they're not happening here is actually a judgment that we have to deal with. We have to break that judgment. Because quite frankly, in some parts of Africa, they're not falling off trees either. In terms of miracles, that is. 
other parts is phenomenal. Usually in places with a significant risk. Not just charismatic entertainment. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. How does this link into what I told you earlier concerning uh, that time experience my wife had in 96? Um, that everything we received in that time has governed our lives from that moment onwards, by the way. And you think, well, we haven't received that level of information. Be happy about that. The more, the more precise information you receive from the Lord is because you will need that precise information for your warfare. The more God shows you in terms of supernatural revelation, it's because you're going, often, oftentimes because you're going to need it for your warfare. We've had to do a fair bit of warfare, a fair bit, fair bit of standing, a fair bit of we're choosing to believe God rather than what other stuff is being said or done or happening or whatever in spite of our own inadequacies and our own feelings of patheticness and so on and so forth. We're choosing to believe God. It's part of your warfare. But nevertheless, God did that. And it did that in his sovereignty, not because we were particularly chasing him on it. But the reason I say this is because he showed us the significant harvest of converts that were, that were hungry for God and wanting to grow and wanting to be fed. In that same period of vision time, he showed us a piece of land. He showed us growth in the Hallswell area three, four times the size what it was back in '96. He showed Janet exactly where a new motorway was going to go, exactly where it is, is finished. Finished. We drive on it. Sometimes Janet and I just drive on it because we're driving on God's faithfulness. And we drive, when, when the first overbridge opened to go across the thing, but the thing wasn't open yet, we went up there and we drove over it. And we, we're, 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 I said, Janet, we're driving across history. That may not mean anything to you, but it's profound to us. Because when the council held this meeting in Hallsville to discuss, and part of the discussion was where the motorway should go. Where do you think it should go kind of thing. Janet's sitting there thinking, do I say anything? Because she knew where it was going to go. She'd already seen it. But she didn't say anything because she thought they might think she was whoopy and get her locked up in a straitjacket. And... But when the plans came out, exactly. So here's the deal. The motorway's done. Hallsville, the, the, the subdivisions of Hallsville are going ahead very, very fast. The growth in our region is huge. We are on our, We got our land after seven years. We're on our land now. We've had all these earthquakes. God has massaged... Yeah, no, no, I'll change that. There's a massage going on in our nation. The Wellington area is getting massaged right now. You might think, oh, you don't want to say that sort of thing. Look, look, whether it's geology, whether it's the devil, whether it's his auntie, whether it's whoever it is, whatever's happening, people are responding one way or another. 
They're either getting hardened toward God, cynical toward God, or they're getting soft toward God because their security is being shaken up. So whichever way it's all happening, it's having an impact on people. And so blame, blame the devil's auntie if you want. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for already white harvest. The reason I felt a release from the Holy Ghost to start declaring this, speaking this, is because up until then I didn't. But now I do. So I'm declaring to you, God is, God is building harvest. God, the, the fields have changed. The fields have whitened. The fields are changing. People are opening up. There's a ripeness in so many hearts. Some people are just waiting for somebody to connect with them in a natural sort of way and then just start sharing their life, then start sharing the gospel. Since the earthquakes, Janet's been shocked at how many hairdressers and how many people she goes to see who once, as soon as you mentioned, they say, well, what do you do for a living? And Janet said, I'm a pastor. That was usually the end of the conversation. Now, it's the opposite. The dog groomer, you name it. I'm serious. She get, the dog groomer gave money for us to take to orphans in Mozambique. Doesn't know the Lord. But as soon as she found out Janet was a pastor, suddenly instead of the it to the conversation, oh, what sort of church is from? Oh, and, and just conversations just opening up. So can we stand right now? I just want to lead you through a period of just, just some, just some uh, taking accountability for, and this, this may not relate to, to a number of you at all because you, just, you, didn't, you didn't live through that 80s period. And, but some of you it may relate to. But corporately we're going to do it. We're going to take accountability for some judgments concerning the harvest, concerning the, the community, concerning the the populace of New Zealand. We're going to take some accountability of some judgments, whether they were spoken or just thought or just felt. We're just going to take accountability. With then we're going to break agreement with them. And then once we've done that, we're going to declare some things. We're going to proclaim some things. You think you're up for that? Now, if you can't do this, and you think this is just too weird, I can't do this, that's no problem, no problem at all. But if you're in this, and you're with me on this, then let's do it. And uh, we do something at home every now and then, just to sort of a statement of unity in this together. And I don't know if, 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 if you're okay to do this or not, but how about you take the hand of the people on your left and your right? Is that, you, you're going to be okay doing that? If the person next to you just looks just fake, far too scary, just fart. I mean, some of the people on the front row, just scary, man. You know, if they just look too scary, that's okay, no problem. But this is this is a, this is an expression of our unity together. And our how about you pray after me, Father? In Jesus' name, we repent of all judgments concerning the harvest in our community, and in our nation. Judgments that said, it is too hard. They're not interested. They are, sec uh, they are secular. We repent for those judgments. 
and we break our agreement with those judgments. And we ask you to forgive us and release us from the hold and the binding power of those judgments. In Jesus' name, we bring ourselves into alignment with the fact that the harvest is ripe, that there's been a change. The harvest has whitened. In Jesus' name, we declare that you are going to change our eyesight. You're going to change our vision, that vision of the harvest. We're going to see that harvest the way you see the harvest. By the Holy Ghost, break that old image and place a new image within me that I would see the community differently in Jesus' name. And regarding the miraculous, healings and deliverance, we break agreement with those old statements that said it doesn't happen in New Zealand. We declare that they are happening in New Zealand. They are happening in our midst. We're expecting more. We're expecting greater breakthrough. But we thank you for what you've, we've seen so far. We declare that New Zealand is ripe for the miraculous. It's hungry for the supernatural. It's hungry for the reality of God. In Jesus' name, cause this house to be a harvesting house. Cause my life to be a harvesting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Let's bless His name. Thank you, Father.